the first movie soundtrack is literally just like a Murder, Inc. compilation album. That's exactly that. And I've noticed this happens a lot when it comes to soundtracks. Matter of fact, I know some people say it's a complaint. I actually don't mind it only because I had no problem with the artist on the label. Like mm-hmm. the licensed Black Panther soundtrack is essentially a TDE mixtape because, <laughs> you know, it's Kendrick, you know, J-Rock, yeah. Schoolboy Q. So it's got uh, Absol. So it's got people from the label on it, which makes sense because, I mean, they're hot right now, much like when the Fast and Furious movies came out. These artists that are on here were hot. It made me think of Snakes on a Plane. The Snakes on a Plane soundtrack is literally just like a Fueled by Ramen like compilation disc. But that was what was popular at the time when that movie came out. Which, uh, shout out to Mario Candelaria, by the way, because I know um, once on the show, we got to think about Cobra Starship. And I-, I throw a lot of shade because I thought I hated them, but then playing the Snakes on a Plane song. And it's like, man, this song bangs. Like, this is such a 2006 era specific thing because it's like, oh shit, here's gym class heroes. <laughs> I fuck so hard with the first two Cobra Starship albums. They're really great. They are pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. But yeah, that's me admitting this now. But back then, I was too cool for that. <laughs> Who was I kidding? <laughs> but I was also listening to like Paramore. So. Who was I posing for? (laughs) Was it just a Gabe thing? No, I don't know. Like, for whatever reason, 2006. Like, you know how we always talk about, like, peak indie shit? Uh Uh-huh. Like, if I go to my peak scene shit, 2006 is the last year of peak scene shit for me. Oh, I was just coming into peak scene shit. That's around a time where a lot of stuff that was coming out at that point was good, but it was starting to lose me because the swoop haircuts got swoopier. Basically, it was like Hot Topic realized that they were a thing. That's my shit, though. I know, like the kids <laughs> that would, you know, would make fun of you for going to Hot Topic were now shopping there. And I was yes. running into like broy kids from my school at Hot Topic at the mall. And that was like, they took over. This is dead to me. And I was for an Armisen in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bring it for Ladia. Like, it's over! <laughs> like, fuck your gym class heroes, fuck your corporate starship. Kita's not what we aim for. What we aim for is good music. <laughs> so, like, peak scene kid me. One of my closest friends and I worked at Hot Topic. He and I and a couple of our friends went to go see gym class heroes. And we got recognized at the show by kids that shopped at that Hot Topic as the cool people that worked at Hot Topic. We were like weird miniature celebrities. See, you know, that's cool. That's a, that's a really awesome story. <laughs> like that trumps the, oh man, the kid used to make fun of me. Now he's here and I can't be here anymore. But yours is like, <laughs> oh shit, it's actually in Redacted. Like they're so cool and we're at the show. <laughs> We just wanted to get drunk and see gym class heroes. And you did. But yet, <laughs> now you're, you're royalty. Let me find that, go back to that uh, hot topic, and there's like a statue of you guys, just kind of like Bill and Ted style. They bulldoze that mall. Oh. <laughs> so, unfortunately, it's dead. <laughs> wow, that got dark. Uh, St. Louis has too many malls. They had too many malls, so they condensed them. They went from like eight malls to like three or four. And this is why New Jersey and St. Louis are so symbiotic. Like, that's us. We had too many malls. We just started knocking them down. Yeah. 
It was really sad, though, because we worked at that Hot Topic until they closed it down. So, like, he and I, like, had to pack the place up. It was kind of a bummer. Oh, see, I would have been, like, stealing, like, wristbands and shit. But, like, fuck Oh, that. we definitely stole some shit. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm so glad I am cutting all of this out. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, that was over 10 years ago. Statue of limitations, Statue limitations. <laughs> <laughs> I stole a gothy rubber ducky keychain that's still on my fucking keys come at me actually don't because i don't want you know slot rolled up in your house like johnny <laughs> tran and like your mom backhands you while you're being handcuffed by the cops oh my god that scene is so awkward like you are meant to feel really bad for a dude that's kind of a dick bag in this whole movie johnny tran's a dick bag but he's all right we're gonna get into that in a minute let's should we actually, like, intro the show and stuff? Yeah, hold on. This is the part where I'm going to cut in the theme song right now. I was walking with the ghost. I don't know why I'm waiting as if the theme song is being played in real time. <laughs> I was walking with the ghost. What? That shit bops. It does bop. I'm angry that it bops as hard. And I'm like, why does this why why are we talking over this? Like we can wait, play the song first, then come back to us. Like we should not do that with our own podcast. Though, I just want everybody to know something. I live my life one podcast at a time. For those 60 minutes, nothing else matters. I'm free. Vin Diesel. <laughs> hey y'all. Uh, welcome to Talking Like a Teen. Hey. I'm Adrian. And I'm not. <laughs> what is this? I'm gonna stop laughing at that because what is this? You're actually gonna tell people what you are. Well, you actually, no, am. you're not actually. That's right, because you are not being tied to any crimes and you will deny it up and down if you say it was her or them. Fact. How you doing? I am chilling. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm very excited to break our show's format once again. Like we do. <laughs> well, no. I mean, we did discuss Tegan and Sarah in great length. Yeah. That one time. <laughs> yeah, that one time. And we felt super <laughs> shitty about the fact that we... Talk some shit. <laughs> you know, talk shit, get hit. Now, no one attacked us physically, but we were hit with the hardest fist of all, the truth. 
Um, also, like, some massive amount of guilt. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as, as someone who grew up in a pretty Christian household and went to Catholic school, that hurt. And they're also and- Canadians, so, you know, there's some righteous <laughs> indignation, like... <laughs> like, we did this for the good of our community, and we just wanted our friends to hang out and do songs, and you two couldn't be happy about it. <laughs> uh, that checks out. Crabby Americans. <laughs> Crabby Americans talking about their music and their Ja Rule mixtapes. Ugh. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> why because it was 2001 and before he started fleecing a bunch of rich white people uh ja rule had a very very prolific music career but why fucking watered down generic dmx bullshit why did we give that man the time of day i don't know you know what it was i don't okay Let's just start by just asking this question. When did you personally become aware of Ja Rule? Um, he sang a lot of songs with Ashanti. But I liked Ashanti fine. And there was that, like, 2001, 2002, where, like, every other song she released had Ja Rule in it. And he was really annoying. But she can sing. I don't know if you wanted to get into, like, the backstory of why we're doing this. Because, like I said, we're kind of breaking for me a little bit. I don't think I'm overstepping my bounds when I say that the Fast and Furious franchise is, like, one of your favorite things on this planet. It is. Unabashedly, (laughs) like, what people felt about Marvel movies as of late, that's how I also feel about Fast and Furious. It's my favorite superhero franchise where no one wears a costume. I've seen the first and the second one, which are the two that we're going to talk about. I'd seen those multiple times as a child because my brother watched them incessantly. But I had never really checked back in. And so here we kind of are in that I agreed to do this and you gave me digital download codes to watch all these movies. And I don't regret it because I think what's even funnier is I sent them to you even before we even decided to talk about this. Because I think I just gave them to you just being like, hey, I remember you're saying you didn't remember a lot of movies. Well, I had these extra digital downloads. Have them, please. Yeah. And then you had asked me, do you want to talk about them? And that's like, oh, hey, I'm glad you're no longer addicted to this thing. Hey, you want to get addicted to this thing again? (laughs) Oh, no. It's okay. (laughs) The ninth one is coming out next year in this spinoff, which I don't know how I feel about. It's coming out this year. It's still ongoing, and it's gone some places. So it's going to be interesting going back to the beginning of it. And it also ties into our theme, considering the fact that this is 2001. Which is a year that we spend a lot of time in, I've come to realize. Yeah. Uh, Let me do a little bit of math here. So, I am 17 by the time the... No, actually, I stand corrected. I am 16. It would not have been my birthday by the time the Fast and Furious came out. I would have been getting ready to turn 13 when the first movie came out. So, as a 12-year-old girl, I was definitely in their target demographic for this movie. Which is why I saw it a million times, because my brother actually was in the target demographic for this movie. (laughs) So we we bought it on DVD, and it was one of the, like, 12 DVDs that we, like, fucking wore out in our house. When I sat down to rewatch it, I realized I hadn't seen it in so long that I didn't really remember much about it. I remembered the truck heist shit 
And I remember, oh yeah, uh, spoiler alert. I don't know if that counts with a movie that's like 18 years old, but uh, we're going to spoil this movie. So go watch it if you want to. I remembered the big twist of the movie, which is not really a twist. And I remembered the end vaguely. And that was about it. I don't remember when I first saw this movie because I did not see this movie in theaters. We definitely did not. I don't know why I didn't see this because everything about this movie was what I was not in 2001. I was very much Blink-182, Newfound Glory is becoming a thing, Weezer's Green Album. Like, I'm that kid. I was not the kid who was slamming back like a Mountain Dew burning out in like a parking lot in my Trans Am or like meet with buddies for like street racing shit. Like the only street racing thing I did was like play like Need for Speed Underground. <laughs> on like PS2 listening to uh, 24s by TI like on loop. Oh my God, TI. <laughs> so I don't know, like, I guess this was meant to be my shit, but it wasn't. Honestly, I feel like if I were, like, a kid during, like, my peak Hot Wheels era, this would have been, like, I need to go see this because there's cars. And that's why we played it in our house so much, was because my brother was one of those kids that was obsessed with cars. And the industry that the dude that my mom was married to at the time um, was in, like, we were just very exposed to cars and racing and all of that kind of shit. So wait, were you like Toretto's crew? Like, were you stealing uh, <laughs> DVD, VHS uh, combo TVs? Definitely not. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can just imagine like you're driving a car. Your brother's got like the harpoon and <laughs> jumping onto the front of the truck that there's a guy with a baseball bat who does nothing. Like, have you really? Okay. I'm going to say this, and I'm just going to get this out of the way. I love these movies a lot, even the, the entries that are not great. Okay. But I'm also aware of the fact that these movies make no goddamn sense. I know there's these people who are, like, Fast and Furious purists. Like, not maybe not personally, but you see the comments online where they're like, you know, I remember when these movies were about street racing, man. Like, it was, you know, now it's just gotten over the top. But you do realize that, yes, it is weird that what started as people's Stealing like DVD Blu-ray players, or not even no, not even Blu-ray, just no. DVD and like VHS players. They're, they're straight up DVD players and like fourteen-inch televisions. They show the in like the opening scenes in the movie. They show the truck filled with shit, and I was dying laughing. And at one point, they use like a floppy disk to pull the yes. schematics of a car. Meanwhile, yes. we're about to watch a movie where like Idris Elba is being injected with like nanobites <laughs> that turn him into a superhero. And we also watched the movie where like The Rock by hand changed the trajectory of a torpedo. I haven't gotten that far. No spoilers. But yeah. Like, <laughs> We've gone some places in this series, but how is it any more ridiculous than a crew that steals, like, combo DVD VHS players to fund car parts so that way they can compete in an annual race competition that's titled Race Wars. Race Wars. Um, Yelling that out loud, like, hurts me a little bit. And keep in mind, fun fact, Race Wars was actually one of the working titles for this movie. That sucks. 
Could you imagine Vin Diesel, Paul Walker in Race Wars? We're like, what? Um, yeah. Um, is this a sequel to American History X? Like, is that where Norton in the Trans Am now? Like, what's happening? Yeah. Maybe that's not the best thing to call your movie. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> they had to, like, license the Fast and Furious title from some, like, 50s TV show or some shit. I mentioned this very same thing on the other podcast I do, Adrian Has Issues. Uh, check it out at adrianhasissues.com, as well as other episodes of this lovely podcast, and also Latin Art Experience. Synergy. <laughs> <laughs> so this was, well, you remember the, the show Ignoring Movies I used to do? Yes. One of the movies we covered on the show that the episode didn't take, which is a shame because it was one of our best, uh, we covered the Fast and Furious, the Roger Corman movie about like this giant race that was happening and someone got kidnapped, but then <laughs> kept leaving and then kept getting re-kidnapped. It was a very weird movie. <laughs> um, I feel like if you get kidnapped more than once, like that's on you. But it was weird. Like the guy, he had snatched her up and it wasn't so much that it looked like she wasn't so much trying to leave her captor. It looked like she was just trying to leave the set. It looked like she was just done with this movie. <laughs> I want to be in a James Mason joint. Get me out of here. <laughs> is Cary Grant still doing? Is he still doing movies? Because I I did not sign up for this. I want to be in Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Gone with too Gone too Wind. <laughs> Sold. I want that movie. Ludicrous. Oh, you just came home from the Civil War, man. What you gonna do? Act a fool. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> All them Confederates in the dirty South, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let me stop. Wow. That might. Wow. All right. That went a little too far. <laughs> nope. Perfect. But the reason why I bring up Act the Fool is at the end of the movie, once the race starts, we actually just in the background played Act the Fool. Yeah. I ended up just editing the like opening of the movie with Ludicrous Act the Fool. Like it might actually be on like YouTube somewhere. Nice. We'll have to look for it. But yeah, like everybody keeps talking about how ridiculous the new movies are, but the whole point is they're stealing electronics equipment to pay for cars. And you're telling me, okay, like he is involved, like Brian is an undercover cop for the FBI? I think he's LAPD in this movie. Okay. That makes more sense to me because I'm like, ain't no way the FBI cares about this fucking small time operation. Get the hell out of here. Well, no, here's the weird part. This is where it gets ridiculous. Okay, so LAPD is noticing that in LA that all these trucks are getting ripped off by this outfit. So they pretty much know who it is. So it looks like the LAPD sent Brian in undercover to infiltrate this crime ring or whatever. And it's like that cliche where it's taking too long. And if you don't turn anything over, they're going to shut us down. So... The guy who I had to stop referring to as Casey Masterpiece. <laughs> he starred in one commercial and it sticks with you. Um, was Bilkins, I think, was his name? Yeah. Like, I think he's the FBI guy. He's the guy who's like, I guess for some reason, it ended up on their radar. Sure. Okay, whatever. Okay, by the time we get to like Too Fast, where it's a customs case, where this dude smuggling contraband... And money, like, across Miami into, I think, was it Cuba or someplace? I think it was Cuba, yeah. Yeah, so then, all right, it makes sense that the FBI would come in and be like, Customs, hey, you guys are kind of taking your time on this. We're coming in. Basically, it's like, if you don't make some sort of uh, edge in this case, we're going to shut you down. But here, this is like, okay, it's a big deal. Like, I mean, people are hijacking trucks and stealing equipment, like, expensive stuff. 
yeah, the FBI is stepping in. Okay, sure. I did write some notes for this movie. So um, I know you said that you didn't have them, and that's totally fine. Though I am heartbroken because I love your notes. You write, like, the best notes. <laughs> my computer ate my notes. This is why I don't normally take notes on my computer. But when you're in a hotel room, you have to kind of make do with what you got. So I kind of want to go through the characters more so than even the plot. I feel like I need to preface something before we talk about some of these characters. Paul Walker passed away, and that's really sad. He was a champion of these movies. He helped get these movies off the ground. They were a big passion project for him. He loved street racing the whole nine yards. That being said, I'm probably going to say some stuff that is sort of speaking ill of his performance in these movies. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. It's not, I'm not speaking ill of his character. He did a job in these movies and we are here to talk about it. So that's it. That's all. The first two movies, I will agree. I think the majority of performances are like that band where they have the players, they have a thing, but they're that band that they don't get famous until like their fifth or sixth album. Because they're still kind of figuring it out. Vin Diesel, like, off the bat, this is his year between this... I mean, I know, was it Saving Private Ryan, I think, was, like, his first big break. Yeah. But, like, between this and, like, Pitch Black. Well, and I think he went on... I think he did Riddick after this. Yeah, because, I mean, oh my god, that movie. <laughs> so damn good. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that movie sober. Let's just go ahead and leave it at that. Hmm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know... Wow, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Damn. That's okay. big on purpose. It's fine. Um, I think Vin Diesel does a really good job in the first movie. He is not in the second movie because he was busy doing Riddick. Um, he also apparently said that the script sucked ass and he didn't want to be in the second one or the third one. But I think he does a pretty good job. I don't think he's given a lot to do. He's supposed to ride this line between like, intense stoicism and like barely contained rage and i think he does a really good job of that he does a fantastic job of that and you don't get it as much like as far as the stoicism you don't get as much of that until the later movies say what you will about vin diesel i know people are like he's not a great actor but grew i mean fucking come on yeah in the iron giant the guy's got range him being stoic, I think, is the easy part. But once you get to the later movies, like, he plays much more intense, like, easily than he does here. Because this Dominic Toretto is a lot more animated. He's a lot more loose with the character. And I don't know how much of that was a character choice regarding the story. Mm -hmm. Or just him kind of finding his footing. Because him and Riddick, he's imposing a shit. Yeah. Like, he doesn't say a whole lot. He just is just this figure. You know, he's got the tank top, like, he sees in the dark. You're told that he's, like, this wild serial killer that has to be, like, in confinement anytime that they're moving him because he'll rip your spine out, supposedly. But yet, he's almost like this gentle giant in those movies. Mm -hmm. But here, he's almost cartoonish at first because during that fight at the uh, the sandwich shop, you know, he comes out and they're all yelling. I was like, Dom, go out and take care of this. These two white boys punch each other in our parking lot. <laughs> it's bad for business. And then he comes out, why'd you put no sandwiches? 
I I don't think he said it like that, but I'm just used to intense Vin Diesel. <laughs> He's like, I am Groot. It's like, I, it wasn't the same. Just go out there and stop it. But I just love that part when he pushes Paul Walker up on the car and the camera just zooms over to him. And I feel like if this were like Vin Diesel now where he's like bulked up and he's like a towering inferno. Here, he's a little whip behind the ears still. Yeah. So I don't think it has the same weight to it. But at one point, Paul Walker is like, oh, he was in my face. And then Vin Diesel's like, I'm in your face. To which I responded in my notes. So is the soundtrack. <laughs> I... Paul Walker is a pretty big dude. So, like, having Vin Diesel push him around, having the, I don't know his name, um, the dude that plays Vince, like, that dude's a little bit more, like, built in the shoulders. But, like, Paul Walker is not exactly a small dude. So, like, trying to, like, film him so that he looks smaller and meeker is just, like, it doesn't work. Speaking of the soundtrack... I just feel like we just jump ahead to when we get to, like, the first race, because that's where the movie gets interesting. Yes. When I said that the soundtrack was, like, in our face, I was not kidding. When they arrive to the race, like, between when Paul Walker gets there to Vin Diesel's crew showing up. Oh, I hate this. Approximately, like, four or five songs play back-to-back in almost less than a minute. And I I understand what the movie is trying to do do here it's trying to sort of show you some of the smaller groups that are a part of this like racing culture you know this is what the white boys listen to these are what the black guys listen to these are what the spanish guys listen to but it's awful it it's like a cacophony it's so overpowering it's it's too much it's real bad i think that idea is better handled in too fast too furious absolutely hell yeah I understand that, like, Ludacris's character in Too Fast is supposed to be doing the same sort of thing that, like, Hector is doing in the first movie, but, like, it's fucking Ludacris and he's charismatic as shit, whereas the guy that plays Hector does a fine job, but it's not Ludacris. Uh, so I'm just kind of like, no one cares about you. Shut up. <laughs> exactly. And also he has that line that I don't know how I feel about it. And I think it's meant to be an icebreaker, but it sounds like weirdly offensive. Uh-huh. Where he introduces himself as like, like they call me Hector. And he's like, I have a last name too, but I can't pronounce it. Yeah, I'm like, were you hit in the back of your head? And talking about performances, I think it's meant to be an icebreaker because I figured he's talking to someone like Paul Walker. And if I were going to play the stereotypes and be that person if i were someone who was like you know hector who's meeting paul walker i figured if i told him what my name was he'd probably either butcher it or like find some way to like talk shit about my name because of the fact like because you know what I mean? like at one point uh i think vin diesel he's like you're brian earl spilner or something like that and he's like your name sounds like a serial killer it's like is that what you are <laughs> and then other people kind of look at him and it's like you being here makes me uncomfortable so like, I feel like that was maybe what could have been played up more. Because I don't think Hector would just outright say that to anybody. Because I sure as hell don't think he would have said that to Jaw Rule when they first met. No. There's a lot of, like, race stuff and gender stuff in this first movie that makes me very uncomfortable. It's race wars, of course. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's- maybe race wars would have been a fitting title for this movie after all. Yeah, because, like, oh, my God, Ja Rule, like, the character Ja Rule, 
He only exists in this series to give you this very... You know what it is? Ja Rule is a Need for Speed character. Yeah. Who you're about to race, and he's going to throw all this, like, quasi, like, zen racing shit at you. But he's, like, super abrasive and borderline problematic. And he does that, so that way when you race him, you're like, I'm not going to feel bad about completely just smoking this guy off the line. No, like, fucking go back to Liberty City. Get the shit out of here. <laughs> Leave me alone. Like, oh, it's not how you drive. Like, it's not what's in your car. It's how you drive your car. Like, no, no kidding. That's the whole point of this. That's that's the all. That's the main reason why you're here, John Rule. You're not saying anything special. You're so, only here to get like to get into a threesome. So apparently, I read that um, Ludacris's character was supposed to be Jaw Rule. But they they offered Ja Rule like fifteen thousand dollars, and Ja Rule thought he was hot shit and was like, "I ain't fifty. And they're like, "No, absolutely not." So then they gave it to Luda. I can't imagine Tej being Ja Rule. Like I can't imagine more Ja Rule in these movies. Could you imagine an entire series where then Ja Rule comes back and he's a hacker? <laughs> oh, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the mainframe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Murder. <laughs> I was like, can you stop yelling? This is over. <laughs> now we're spotted. God damn it. Just ja, stick you, you in a van. <laughs> stop screaming murder every time you do something correctly. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, however, though, as much as I hate to say it, as much as he's awful, he might be the most entertaining thing in this movie because everybody else is trying to clearly act, try to convey. Ja Rule's just like, look, I got paid to be here. I'm just going to just just while out and just be me. <laughs> At one point, as he is like pulling off the line and hits his nose, he just yells, Menage! Yeah. Like, like wow. All right. This all is, right. <laughs> it's okay, Ja Rule. It's, what are we doing? <laughs> As he's crashing, his car is screaming, no. And then the girl's name, Monica. Monica! It's awful. Like, that's the end of his character arc. Beginning of character arc. Lady gives him her breast. Which, <laughs> sure, whatever. Wow. Then promises him the other one. Then he crashes his car. Does not get other one. End of story arc. Now, wait. Quick question. Monica was the one that he was talking to in the car, right? Or yes. is Monica the other girl? I thought Monica was was the chick that's like, here's my tit. You want the other one, you gotta win. But, but. did we ever, did did no one, like, I, I feel like there's some, like, consent things that need to happen here first. Like, was this other girl, like, was she actually into this at all? Like, was this the plan? Because, like, I hate to say this, and this is gonna sound really bad, and by all means, drag me for this. <laughs> but I feel like everybody revolves around Toretto. Like, uh -huh. nothing happens before he and his crew show up. Everyone's just sitting around going... Where's Poochie? <laughs> <laughs> when are they getting to the fireworks factory? <laughs> so, like, okay, so there's these girls, and I'm not saying this is okay by any means, because when, you know, Letty pulls up, and um, oh. you know, there's, like, the, the two blondes. Oh, speaking of lines that give me the uh-oh feeling, <laughs> I smell skanks. Like, no, stop. <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez, you're like one of the, like, you're the only woman in this movie with some agency. No, don't call other ladies skanks. It's not okay. 
<laughs> Which also, quick shout out to Michelle Rodriguez. I don't know if you've been following the story of the new movies at all. Long story short, Michelle Rodriguez, not too long after the eighth movie was going to come out, was actually going to walk. And I don't want to say she went on a rant because that has this connotation like she was just complaining. No, it was a very, very real, very true thing. And, you know, Michelle Rodriguez in interviews can go either way. Sometimes Uh she, you know, sometimes some of the stuff she says kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit. But she was very right on this. Where she basically was like, they need to do better by the female characters. And once you watch these movies, you'll. Oh, they fucking do. Yeah. So then, but at that point, she's like, Jordana Bruce's character. I was supposed to have grown up with her. I can't even remember if I've even had lines with her. And it's even referenced as such that they grew up together, but they have like no lines together. She essentially was going to leave. So then I know there's been like videos where she and Vin Diesel have hung out, like as he often does, you know, he's shown up at like the birthday parties of the one girl from like Furious 7. Um, You know, like they basically are like a family. They all hang out. Right. And I know now that he's a producer on the series, like, she essentially was like, look, if you don't do better by the female characters or at least get a woman on staff, like, I'm leaving. And she is one of the main characters of these movies. And they did just that. And hopefully it does, you know, wield some positive results because that is awesome. And it's a shame that it took nine movies for them to maybe even address it. I read that one of the few movies that they're going to end up doing in, like, 2021 is like a female-fronted version of Fast and Furious. Interesting. Which would be fucking badass. That'd I just, be great. Yeah. So let's see if it happens. That would be cool. I would be here for it. As much as I love it, it did not age well in terms of its music. No. In terms <laughs> of the style. In terms of even some of the politics of it. Yeah. Like you said, John Rule's entire storyline is... If I win, I get to have sex with these two women. Well, have the same scenario where, like, these two ladies are pulling up on, like, Vin Diesel's car and they're like, oh, hey, you know, if you win, you get with us. And Michelle Rodriguez is like, um, yo. Standing right here. Yeah, and then they just kind of back off. Like, that should have been it. Because, I hate to say it, but aim higher. Like, it's Ja Rule. Like, he's... (laughs) (laughs) He's so little. I forgot how little he is. A little dude. I do love that exchange, though, where Paul Walker comes up to him and says, well, here's my pink slip. I don't have money, but you can take this. And if I lose, you can have my car clean and clear. But if I win, I get the money and respect. And Vin Diesel's all like, respect. And he's like, oh, to some people, that's more important. And he is smitten. Yeah. His eyes lit up. And it's like, oh, like he would have maybe hugged him. He's like, I am Groot. And just hug him. (laughs) But he's like, no, we are Groot. <laughs> Paul Walker, you and me, we are Groot. It's like it's Rocket Raccoon, but instead of stealing batteries, they steal <laughs> DVD players. I want that crossover movie. That sounds fun. No, that needs to happen. Rocket and Groot in the Fast and Furious movie. I think I just want to see Groot in a car, especially teenage Groot, where he's just like. <laughs> All surly and awkward, trying to figure out how to drive a Mitsubishi. (laughs) (laughs) Where do I go? (laughs) It's so short in here. John Singleton, I guess, commented on the whole Ja Rule thing. Yeah. Ja got too big for himself. He turned it down. He turned down half a million dollars. He got 15 grand to be in the first movie. He was really big at that time. I guess Murder, Inc. was throwing out hits and were making money hand over foot. He was acting like he was too big to be in a sequel. He wouldn't return calls. I went to the studio to go see him. 
that's just my mantra. I deal with a lot of music people. He was kind of playing me to the side, and I was like, what? What is this shit? This is all initiated by me. Then I made a call. I called Ludacris. And John Singleton, you made the correct call. Rest in peace, Mr. Singleton. Yeah. To compare apples to oranges, the first movie, I don't love it in a directional way, like how it was directed. Too Fast, Too Furious is a fun movie to watch and to look at. He did a great job with it. Much better than Rob Cohen, who is problematic and sketchy. (laughs) Are you, by means, solely the name of Rob Cohen, the director of Hurricane Heist? Uh, Yeah, and the director of Stealth, the movie about a sentient bomber. Yeah, it's fine. The movie is so stupid. You like Jamie Foxx gets like two lines and I'm like, oh, you're going to die in this movie, aren't you? Your character's name is dead ass me. That sucks. I mean, it could have been Ja Rule. <laughs> but it did have, wait, but still did have that badass Dredge song. Uh, No. <laughs> Stealth was so bad. I love Dredge. <laughs> uh, she does not like Dredge, and that's fine. <laughs> I'm allowed to not like stuff. There's so much, like, fucking 2005 bullshit in Stealth. Ugh. The more I watched this movie, and I remember loving it, and I remember bonding over it with my friends. Every time I was on cable, we'd watch it, and it was super quotable. Mm-hmm. But there's so much you could take out. Like, I hate to say it. Shout out to, like, Rick Yoon, who, in the early 2000s, between Fast and Furious and Die Another Day, was definitely making some moves. Yeah. And especially since you don't really get too many, like, Asian lead actors at this point. Like, I feel like he was always kind of relegated to Hinchman, which is a shame, because he's really cool in this movie. Yeah. I just don't know what the role was like okay i understand we needed some sort of red herring of sorts Uh but it's like they keep calling johnny tran the villain of this movie but like isn't paul walker the villain of this movie (laughs) it depends on how you approach this movie as to who is the villain of this movie because i think you could make the argument that dom is also the villain of this movie i kind of think that's what the movie wants you to do right up until the end when they sort of duke it out in a way, Vin Diesel's crew is definitely, they're definitely the protagonist in as much of they're the ones that are trying to do this particular thing. Yes, they may be like the quote unquote bad people, like whatever, but they're the ones that are doing the story. But to me, I feel like it's Paul Walker who's the antagonist because he's the one that's trying to stop them from succeeding in their mission. But I think it's just as easy to make the argument that Paul Walker is the protagonist of the movie because his character arc is an actual character arc. The crew, basically, they're doing a thing to sort of continue their lifestyle. They realize it's bad. The end. And they don't really even make the decision not to do it anymore. Like, the last heist just goes, like, tits up. And they had already sort of agreed that they weren't going to do this anymore. Whereas Paul Walker goes from, like, undercover cop man to learning how to be, like, street racer man to realizing that, like, street racer man is who he really wants to be and then gives up his former identity as undercover cop man to be street racer man for realsies. (laughs) That is amazing breakdown. (laughs) Street street racer man for realsies. Love it. Yeah, I guess that is true. But to me, the Johnny Tran stuff goes nowhere. No. It's it's there to fill up time. But what is the goal here? It's like, okay, 
at this point, he, I guess, is in a similar setup with, I guess, whatever their mechanics are, because it's the whole point where they have the cars and no engines, and essentially they're all like, well, we need these for race wars, and there's no engines in these cars, and then we're going to, like, pour oil down this guy's throat. So all of this, like, this is a lot to do for a racing competition. I feel like, and maybe this is just me being overly sensitive, but I feel like so much of their role in this movie is just to further the, like, bad guy yakuza stereotype yeah so what are they oh, wait are they yakuza or triad i can't remember i don't know that they actually say you know and that's the sad part because they do feel like nondescript asian gangsters and it's really messed up like they could have given him even if they're not even gang members like he's just a dude i guess is he meant to be like the antithesis of dom in that regard like here's another guy who does a lot of illegal shit to support his car racing you make a really interesting point because he does have the same sort of attachment to family. His is, it's interesting. And we'll revisit this later on in a movie. And I don't want to bring it up yet. Cause you're not there for sure. This happens a lot, but when he gets arrested, his whole thing, when he confronts Dom at race wars was like, not even so much that the cops canceled his house, but they did it in front of his family. Yeah. You disrespected me in front of my family. And his father, when he like slaps him, like, that hurt me. Like, damn. And Paul Walker did that, which is why I feel like he's really the antagonist of this movie. Because, yes, while he does have the fully realized arc, he's essentially disrupting everything. Because, yes, these people are committing crimes just to fuel their racing habit. <laughs> it's an imperfect world. It's not great. But you know what? This is what they do. This guy yeah. comes in trying to, and we don't even know what the reasons are. Does he want to be detected? Does he want to get promoted? Like, what is his real goal? Because it even doesn't feel like he's in on this from the very beginning. I don't know why it took me so long to put this together. Like I said, I've seen this movie a zillion times, but I rewatched the beginning of it today. And I finally just figured out that like, the very beginning of this movie, like, I guess I always just assumed that, like, Brian went into this with some sort of prior knowledge about street racing and the culture around it. But no, like, he's very much learning on the fly. Like, the beginning scene where you see him, him driving the green eclipse by himself, just like on a track, and he like spins out and like yells shit. Like, he's trying to learn how to street race and not doing a perfect job at it. He's so happy that he almost beats Dom because he's like, I can do this, believably. It's He doesn't say anything to Hector when Hector's asking him about his car because he doesn't want to be caught not knowing shit. Like, it's actually, I, I feel really stupid that I didn't catch this before. But, like, he's trying really hard to sort of fit in and he doesn't quite know what to do at first. It's just really interesting. Which is weird because a couple of things. One, um, that with that part about him in the eclipse yelling shit also starts a Brian O'Connor trend of yelling at his car. Uh-huh. Which will pop up several times throughout the series. But also, then, what kind of cracks me up is when you get to Too Fast, when we get to Roman Pierce, we get all this now, this backstory of... Of him being a street racer and knowing how to do all of this shit. Or was it, like, a thing where, he, yes, he did race, but he was also a kid? Like, going back to the Groot thing, like, him trying to, like, maneuver this fucking Mazda or whatever. Yeah. Yes, they used to, like, ride cars, but were they actually all that good at it? Yeah, well, I mean, they couldn't have been that good at it. They both got 
Well, uh, I Roman Pierce got arrested. I don't think they ever actually say if Brian did or not. I think they did juvie together. I mean... It's mentioned later on, but then granted, there's also some retconning that happens when we get to four. I mean, there's some retconning that happens when you get to two. That is a very... I didn't notice that before about the whole Brian like not really being good at this. So was he just not good or was he trying to get better? Like, okay, if he's supposedly infiltrating like this elite racing team, was mm-hmm. it just a matter of, oh, I need to be good enough to at least I like, earn a spot? But the way that, and maybe that's just the performance carrying it or the script, but like you said, it feels like he's never done this before. Well, and what's funny is like, and too fast at the beginning when the FBI guys get him in there and they're like, you're going to be working with this random guy. And he's like, yo, random guy, what engine should I use? And he like tricks him about the pizza place thing. That was you, asshole, in the last movie. You didn't know fucking shit and you learned on the fly. And you're just assuming that this dude can't do that. Like, fuck you. Yeah, like I can't figure out, was it that he's supposed to, is he actually inept or is he pretending to be inept? It just, to me, like, it doesn't make sense to pretend, because, like, he's racing alone at first, and I don't know what pretending to be inept gets you, as far as, like, winning in everybody's good graces to, like, get on the team. Wouldn't you want to show them that you're competent? I'm not sure where they're going, and that's why the first movie, to me, might actually be my least favorite, and I know I'm committing, like, a cardinal sin amongst the Fast and Furious fandom, because... This is the movie that not only catapulted this entire franchise, it brought street racing to the masses and it actually even brought it home, even like where I grew up. Unfortunately, because a lot of people who I think wanted in on this who did not understand it and a lot of arrests, a lot of fatalities. Yeah. To the point where later movies had to have like disclaimers because there was so much shit going on. Hey, jackass, don't do this. (laughs) You know, we got Need for Speed Underground as a result of this. Fast and Furious games. There was one for PS2. My brother had it. It was really boring. But then we get to, I think, my favorite character in this movie is Vince. He has an interesting arc. Yeah. I mean, such as it is. I feel like you don't get enough screen time with the rest of the crew. And when I watched this movie last weekend, I remembered that somebody gets shot or something. And I had it mixed up in my brain where I'm like, I had thought the ADD kid got shot because I'm like, that sweet little angel baby face is too pure for this movie. (laughs) (laughs) He's gonna die. And then he didn't die. And this guy didn't really die either, but almost died. No, he did die. I thought he... he, No, Jesse's dead. Helicoptered him off. No, oh, you're talking about Vince. Yeah, he got yeah. He, he gets helicoptered off, but it's Jesse that gets killed. He does get killed. Because he right. decides he's going to race his car against Johnny Tran. And they had already had prior knowledge of what was underneath the engine, I think. So it was like, there was no way he was going to win. So he, I think what he ran or something like that, he never gave up the car. And Yeah, because he, um, he got killed in the drive-by shooting. That's right. Okay, I remember now. But Vince is like abandonment issues like all over the place he's all hung up on mia and mia makes a point like very early in the movie you know almost nothing about her character and she basically is like i don't date my brother's friends it seems to be like one of the few rules that she's like hard and fast about so i don't really know what vince thinks he's gonna do like if he's just trying to like wear down or what his deal is you just don't learn that much about him other than like This is his family, and he will do anything and everything to sort of, like, keep it together. 
But I think that's because he doesn't really have much else other than this. Dom, of course, has Letty. He has Mia. Um, Leon, we don't know what... I'm not even going to talk about Leon because he's just like a non-entity in this movie. No. Um, he's got like two scenes in this movie. Right. Um, Jesse, it's like, we get more from him. You know, he's got a dad in jail, like on some Barry Allen type shit, I guess. And he they were going to work on cars when he gets out or something like that. And then in a way, he's kind of like... He reminds me of the, the kid from like the Matrix Reloaded and uh, Revolutions where... <laughs> yeah, he's like this kid that like Dom probably like saved or like took in and because of that he's like, you know, ride or die with yeah. no pun intended. But like Vince, you know, you he get does this both. Whole- <laughs> oh, it's funny cuz he's dead. <laughs> Rest in power. <laughs> He's this, uh, Vince is this guy, he's known Dom since they were both in the third grade. They have all this history, but you know how Dom is. Like, he's, it's all about family and togetherness, because I think even in one of the movies, he's like, you don't turn your back on family, even when they do. But so it's like, his whole thing is, even when he knows that there are people in his team who are, like, not great, uh-huh. he's not gonna, like, go out of his way to kick him out, because... Vince, like, during the fight, and of course, he's like, oh, you're embarrassing me. And that's when he, like, backs down because it's like he doesn't want to look bad in front of, you know, his guy. You know, he's way too into his sister for it to be comfortable with Dom, which I'm sure is a point of contention with him. Yeah, for sure. Because I'm sure he's had to check him a few times about that. And then considering how, like, overly shitty he gets when Brian comes in because he realizes he's getting replaced. He's getting replaced on multiple fronts. Like, he's losing his best friend and he's losing the girl he wants fucking sucks to be vince right and it's not helpful the fact that he just kind of rides on the fact that they're close but doesn't really do anything to maintain a working friendship like you know when he gets back to the house and you know it's like oh hey we were gonna go look for you and he knocks the butt you know and he's like yeah oh you know the why is the buster here it's like because the buster kept me out of handcuffs you know and he's like oh shit like, he didn't just run back to the fort. Like, he's, like, you did nothing to, like, this is your guy, and you just dipped, and you're here, like, trying to pretend to be Zach Wild <laughs> on some Black Label Society type shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> the idea of family in the first movie seems to be centered around, like, duty. Like, duty and responsibility to each other to sort of take care of each other and keep each other safe. Um, and in the second movie, the idea of family, like Brian sort of builds his own sort of like found family with like Tej and Suki and then brings Roman in. And it's more of a message of like acceptance and like taking care of each other. It's a softer idea of family in the second movie. And I think that theme is more interesting in that movie. Like I understand that it's, it's sort of a, a weirder more like hippy dippy take on it but those characters seem to actually like genuinely love each other not because they feel like they have to but because they like want to that is a great point and during the interrogation scene or what we're we're supposed to believe is a date um (laughs) (laughs) when uh brian's talking to mia and he's asking her all these questions about like the team which anybody would have been like you're asking an awful lot of questions for a date that's supposed to be about us 
this is the part where when she's explaining the story, it's almost like she doesn't quite know. You know, like that thing of you're around people for so long, and then you kind of go back of being like, oh, how long have these people been around? Why are they still around? And not really knowing the answers. I think she even said to like about Leon and the other guys, like they just showed up one day and they just never left. I.e. we didn't want to build them a backstory. <laughs> but <the> it goes <laughs> it goes back to what you were saying, though, about the, the whole thing of, like, about being family out of, like, sense of duty or obligation. Like, they're just there and it's just understood that they're family. They don't seem like they like each other that much, to be perfectly honest. Who are they going to hang out with, Hector or Ja Rule? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Hector seems nice. You know, he seems like a cool dude. Like, he's... Yeah. He's that guy that's like, hey, come over and some beers. We'll play some PlayStation. But, you know, he's not going to help out. And Ja Rule won't stop yelling. And it's like, murder. <laughs> like, could you please? Like, like, who's running the engine at 5 o'clock in the morning? No, that's just Ja Rule. Yeah. <laughs> he yells in his sleep. We're not sure if he has night terrors or is he just really believing murder, Inc.? I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. He might go to jail. That's fun. Um <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, can we talk about Paul Walker in this movie? He seems like a super sweet dude. It is really sad that he died, but he's not good in these movies. He's just very wooden. I feel like it might be a little appropriate in the first movie because he's trying to keep like undercover cop boy. But he has no personality. I don't know what Mia sees in him, aside from the fact that he is, like, supposed to be hot. And aside from the one line about respect, I don't really know what Dom sees in him. Because he's just sort of blank and boring and without a personality at all. I'll say this much. As we're talking about, like, the friends out of duty, Uh Toretto is very, again, he's very family-based. But I think there's a part of him, like, with that party scene when he comes back to the house, he nearly gets arrested, nearly gets everything blown up in their face, their whole operation's going down, and I'm sure once they get him, it would have only been a matter of time for everybody else to get snatched up. Right. So if he goes down, everything goes down, too. So then imagine if he gets picked up at that first race, the guy who just came in and was talking a little smack and, you know, a little full of himself had more guts than they did because he actually stuck around and picked them up. Now, yes, that was because this is the guy he's trying to bring down. But when he goes back to the, the house, everybody's just chilling out. And he shows up. They barely react that he's even in a room. They're essentially hanging out with this guy who's kind of like an alpha that makes them a cooler. But yeah, I really feel like they were with him almost out of, with the exception of Letty and me, of course. But the rest right. of the crew, it's almost like a status thing, it felt like, where we have no other place to go. This guy took us in because that's just the guy who Dom is. But Dom, I think, in a weird way, is like, my friends ain't shit. <laughs> like, they're not, they're not great. So here's this guy who comes out of the blue, who goes out of his way to make a point of respect is more important to me than even the cars or the money. And he goes back and helps him. And when he says, you owe me a car, even after the other one blew up, he brought him a car. Like, he's actually, like, a man of his word, at least perceived to be. And to him, that's, like, that meant more. So, I guess that's the thing where it's, like, yes, he's not a good actor. But as far as what he's supposed to be doing, it's, like, it works. 
Like, there's a weird chemistry between them, but it's not through performance. A lot of it is just a lot of, like, well-meaning glances. <laughs> it's a lot of eye acting. It's a lot of <laughs> nonverbal cues. Which, like, Paul Walker's got big old eyes. So, I mean, like, I guess if there's one part of him that can emote, I guess it's his eyeballs. Way to go. That's I'm just guessing, by the way, but you're very right. <laughs> It's definitely harder in the second one, though, where these guys are supposedly going to be, like, childhood friends, and it's definitely awkward. Tyrese is such, like, a charismatic dude anyway, that any scene with the both of them, like, you're not really paying attention to Paul Walker, who's supposed to be, like, the lead and the actual protagonist in this movie. Um, You're paying attention to Roman, because Roman is the interesting character who is living in the world and and interacting with it and being really fun and entertaining and engaging. And Paul Walker is just standing there like a big dumb tree. (laughs) Fucking typical white guy bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I do like, at least by the time we get to like the reunion movie, that that does change a little bit. And also Paul Walker is, I mean, is he still a great like actor actor not necessarily but the chemistry at this point is still there but i mean this is still so early on in everybody's career like vin diesel is like he's a star at this point but he's not like household name like he's just getting to that point paul walker had this in like what timeline or was that 2003 like he had like a few movies he did like teen movies he was in um that movie with freddie prince jr and rachel lee cook uh she's all that yeah, he's one of the, like, bro douches in that movie. Wasn't he also in Varsity Blues? I think so. I think that checks out. These movies were his first opportunity to, like, be a leading dude. I don't know if it's that they didn't give him enough to do, or if he's just bad at doing what they gave him to do. But, like, I mean, he's fine, but he's not great. Yeah, and I think he and Vin Diesel, something that a character actually says... The two of them are stronger together. Uh-huh. In Too Fast, where he's with Tyrese, it's like, you know, he's adequate. Not yeah, great. But then once you get back to the movies where it's back to Brian and Dom, Paul Walker just is better by comparison. And also, I, th- I think at this point, like, they're aware that he really is, like, the corny white boy. <laughs> and they're the rest of the crew is fine with that. And they love him for it because he's aware that he is. <laughs> Until he says very cringe-worthy lines, like, Pockets ain't empty, cuz. And this is why I don't say certain things, because I feel like that's what they sound like coming out of my face. I feel like if you did, there would be no way I could ever be upset about that. <laughs> Pockets ain't empty, cuz. Like, see, no. see how easy it is? Like, it just rolled don't, it's like, Don't talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> Check yourself. Chill out. There's not really much to go over with with this movie, considering, I mean, I know, shit, we were going to talk about the soundtrack. Um, the soundtrack is all Murder, Inc. shit. Uh, ja Rule, Ashanti, you know them. You love them. Oh, we have to do talk about one thing, though, before we close out with this one. Is it the Roland remix? Because I don't want to. No, 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 not even. <laughs> Remember, was this the garbage episode? We had, we were talking about who was staying crawling in the dark, and I think we had made a reference about, like, popping wheelies in a muscle car like Dominic Toretto while drinking Mountain Dew. Yes. Did not realize that Crawling in the Dark was actually on the second volume of the Fast and Furious soundtrack. The more fast and more furious-like soundtrack, it's more my jam in that, like, I don't know what to do with, like, Murder, Inc. for the most part. 
because it's just dudes yelling and and guns and shit and that's not really my scene unless you're pd pablo then at at most you'll just be swinging a shirt over your head (laughs) the pd pablo song is really fun it is that's fair (laughs) and also pd pablo has one of my greatest cameos ever movie history when he was in drumline he was in drumline yes he was There was a moment in uh, history where Petey Pablo was just like, I'm popping up in movies. Like, shit. come on. You're not even mad because I'm Petey Pablo. That's swing that shirt you have. <laughs> Fucking click, click, boom is on this soundtrack. There's more than one saliva song on a soundtrack. Like, what are oh, we doing with that's ourselves? that's not necessary. <laughs> it's, it's just not. Oh, and this is why we need a Spider-Man. Because it's like, saliva. Like, why are you rapping? Like, Josie. What, what's happening? <laughs> click, click, boom. I come uh, up with the new style and you know it's buck wild. Sorry. Don't know. <laughs> Not for nothing, though. I will say this, though. Thank God for superhero movies, because between The Punisher and Spider-Man, Josie Scott was like, all right, I, I can finally stop rapping now. I can go back to what I'm good at. I can go legit. <laughs> Some told me love will save us. <laughs> But how could that be? Look what love gave us. Lots of money. Merchandising and sweet record deals. I'm just going to let you keep going until you're done. (laughs) That's perfect. I love it so much. And they're watching us. Watching us. They all fly away. (laughs) I'm sorry. It has nothing to do with Fast and Furious, but I feel like... That song should be the incredible theme of every movie that came out in the early 2000s. It's because it is. It it pretty much is. I just... I don't want to hear white dudes say Buck Wild. I'm just putting the kibosh on it right now. No more white dudes are allowed to say the phrase Buck Wild. I hate it. Oh my god. And then there's the list of tracks that are not included on the soundtrack. (laughs) Here's all the Limp Biscuit you missed. There's too many Limp Biscuit songs. Oh, funny enough, though, I never caught this until just now, because thanks, headphones. The scene where, and it's kind of awkward where they put it, but on um, the scene where Brian and Mia are in, are in like the house, and Vince is all like, oh, you know, get with me. And she's all like, oh, what's that place? Or she like curves some hardcore. She's like, oh, what's that place you want to take me to? Oh, yeah, Brian, take me there. Like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, damn, that was that's some cold shit, but I you know what? Nice job, Mia. I'm here for it. <laughs> Drag him. Um, <laughs> but in the background, what kind of undercuts it though is the fact that Ludicrous Area Codes is playing in the background. Yes. But at the same time, it's like, Luda. ooh, portents of the future. <laughs> I think I'm done with this movie. Huh? Like, it's weird. Like, I love the Fast and Furious movies, but this one, it's like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, like, I fully recognize that, like, these movies are not for me. I fully recognize that I actually legitimately enjoyed watching both of these movies, but I really liked the second one. I was mildly entertained with the first one. And for years, we were told that the second one was somehow worse. But yeah. the older I get and the more I watch the second one, it truly is a hidden gem. The second one is great because the change in setting to Miami is fucking genius. Way to go. Uh, Ludacris. Awesome. Uh, Tyrese. Awesome. Um, a better villain. That dude, I recognize him from something I can't figure out where I recognize him from. 
But the main dude in that movie, the main villain, is really good. He's super creepy and sinister in a way where I don't know if he's going to kill me just because he's sort of sadistic and bonkers or <laughs> like what. It's He's good. Eva Mendez. Love her. She's great. <laughs> oh, you know where um the guy's from, the villain in that, Cole Hauser? Yeah? Pitch Black, starring Vin Diesel. <laughs> I don't think I saw it. So, like, even though Vin Diesel was not in the movie, he was still strangely there in spirit. Before we leave, we have to talk about Chingy, because he's from St. Louis and I love him. But I thought we are going to say that for too fast. I'm going to do it right now. Chingy's great. End. <laughs> getting it. Getting it. Sorry. That song bops. <laughs> All we'll right. talk about it more next time. I was just excited. No, we're totally going to well, we totally talk about more Chingy. He'll be the replacement for Jaro. Hell yeah. Chingy for life. All right. <laughs> Good night, everybody. I was walking with the ghost.